0: This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Hey, buddy. How you doing?
1: Oh, fine.
0: Hey, let's take that frown and turn it upside down. What do you say?
1: Saying stuff like that's not going to help anything. Ouch! Ooh, bitter party of one. Your table's ready. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Why are you so happy? Oh, you know me.
0: Always as happy as can be.
1: um, Good for you. What are you doing here? What do you mean, what am I doing here?
0: Mm, Now, that is indeed a deep question. What did I say, what did I mean when I asked, what are you doing here? A seemingly simple and obvious question. Can, when dissected, have so many levels? Hmm, dissected. (laughs) That's a neat word. Die like in death. A uh, sect, like uh, in a group, and uh, TED. It's kind of like a group of people are trying to kill TED. <laughs> I know, TED, he's a great guy, but hey, listen, I saw him this morning. He was really feeling frustrated. Yeah, he said he was going to drop out of his small group, but it was becoming too much work for him to be a leader. Oh. And he also said that he was feeling really unfulfilled in the work of his ministry. Well, shame. there you go. <laughs> where, where I go?
1: No, no, that's why I'm
0: here. Oh, oh! Well, I appreciate that, Jeremy, but it's not all about you. I mean, after all, we're talking about Ted here.
1: But you asked me what I was doing here. Well,
0: that's true, but listen, service has been over for almost an hour, and virtually no one here, and you've just been sort of wandering around aimlessly, just looking lost or something.
1: I am kind of lost. What? You know, my small group broke up, and oh. the garage ministry I was in just never really got going again after the break. I just don't feel like I belong to anything anymore. Wow, that's really heavy. Um, So you
0: are feeling disconnected. Yeah, you could say that.
1: I think I did just say that, didn't I? Or I was going to. No, never mind. Look, I'm going to go.
0: Okay.
1: Well, hey, feeling better? Why would I be feeling better?
0: Well, I mean, you came to service this morning, and after all, that's always a good thing when you're feeling disconnected. Yeah. And, um, let me see. Uh, oh, and then you and I, we ran into each other. I mean, well, not literally, but hey, literally. Hey, that's a neat word. Uh, it's kind of like litter in an alley. It's kind of like really messy, but it's fun. Oh, you've got to clean it up. Uh, well, anyway, have you ever considered starting a ministry that cleans alleys? What?
1: Yeah. No. Well, maybe you should that what you told Ted? Ted? Yeah, you know, disconnect Ted. Oh, gee, that's funny how you gotta fit his name into the word
0: and everything. Hey, I saw him this morning. Yeah, he was yeah, really yeah, feeling...
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. What did you tell him? Well, I, I didn't really tell him anything exactly. Why? I think he and I have the same problem. And I was thinking maybe if you had helped him feel more connected, maybe you could help me as well. Oh, gee, I wish I would have thought of that myself. Yeah, oh, me too. That yeah. would have been great. So, um, How did you help him feel more connected?
0: Well, you know what? Why don't you just ask him yourself, okay?
1: What the heck is that?
0: Well, I'm hoping it's Ted. (laughs) At least that's what was on the end of this rope uh, when he went to the bathroom. You tied him to a rope? Oh, of course not. What good would tying him to a rope do? No, no, he was feeling disconnected,
1: so I
0: uh, tied him to me. (laughs) And now we are connected. (laughs) oh yeah that's a good thing well, of course i mean well uh, until we trip somebody yeah. you know like pastor craig in the baptismal the Oof. other week oh man that was bad but uh hey hey if
1: pastors got
0: to get dunked to make the work of the lord and well so be it
1: <laughs> Wait, wait 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 that's right so tying yourself to ted is doing the work of the lord of course of course now he is feeling connected
0: and as you know, we always work better together.
1: <laughs> and That's o- true. He's okay with this?
0: Well, he didn't, you know, it took a while for him to warm up to it, but uh, I finally reeled him in. I mean, you know, after all, two weeks in the dude ranch, Whoa, boy, <laughs> that really helped. Dude, a dude ranch? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, look, hey, I'm going to go and check out that whole alley cleaning thing. No, wait a second. I got some more oh, rope right I got, I'm good. here. I'm good. Oh, come on now. No, You're no, going to you feel don't. connected here in just a
0: minute.
2: All right. As you can tell, we want everybody in here to feel connected, connected to somebody else, somebody else in the family of God, someone else in the body of Christ. We need each other in the family of God. Take your Bibles out, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you. And let's stand together for the reading of God's Word today. 1 Corinthians 12 and 18. Probably no other better place in the Word of God references our need for one another. We need each other in the body of Christ and the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12 and Verse number 18. But now God has set members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. But if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor, and our unre- unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. God has composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And now you are. The body of Christ. Father, today as we open up your word, open up our hearts, our minds, our understanding that we might receive exactly what you have for us, I pray you'll knit this church family, this church body together in a unique way. Even this morning, God, start your work in our hearts. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Church is described in a lot of different ways in the word of God. But one of the most common ways you find it is when he talks about the church being a body. In fact, it's used 30 times in the word of God alone, we are called a body. And when you think about the church in terms of a body, it's telling me, I need you, you need me, we need each other, we are all dependent upon one another for God's church, God's family, his body to function properly. Now, here's what we're fighting against this morning and today. Americans love their independence. I mean, after all, this nation was founded upon the declaration of independence. We're all about our independence, and we think somehow, if I can gain my independence, that in that way, I will find happiness. So if I can be financially independent... Or if I can be relationally independent, uh, or we've got to be me, or I've done it my way, and you know how it goes. And that's kind of this rugged individualism, this independent spirit and thinking that permeates all throughout America. And yet, in America, there are so many unhappy, miserable people. Happiness is not found by being independent. Happiness is not found in isolation uh, or living life with your barriers or putting on a mask and making everybody around you think you're okay when you're really not or trying to keep people at an arm's distance. Don't get too close to me. Don't touch me. I, I, I was driving uh, down the road the other day. I saw a lady out. Walking a dog, and she had a mask on. There wasn't anybody around. There was nature all around her, birds, trees, everything else. She's wearing a mask. I don't know if it was swine flu or what the situation might have been, but wearing a mask. And we're trying to keep people at arm's distance uh, lest we get contaminated. But happiness does not come from independence, but interdependence. The body of Christ from community. From being connected to one another and the family of God, we need each other. Turn to the person on your right and tell them, I need you. Some of you were talking to the back of somebody's head over there. So no one's left out. Turn to the person on your left and say, I need you. I believe according to the word of God, the only way to fulfill God's purposes is in community and in relationships. We were never meant to be islands. We were never meant to be isolated. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians out there. Everything we do is in the context of the body of Christ, in the context of the family of God. And I will tell you, we have got to fight for this church. Listen to me. It is becoming so much easier just to stay at home on Sunday mornings. I mean, why make the effort? Why get up? Why get the kids ready? Why pack the stuff? Why come to church and go through all that effort and energy? And and I know in some ways I am preaching to the choir because you're all here today. But the sad reality is next Sunday, one-fourth of you won't be. One-fourth of you will decide, one-fourth to one-third will decide next Sunday, you know what, I need a break. Just had a rough week. Just, Just wore out. And I just need to sleep in the day. We just need some family time. Just need to hang out and relax a little bit, and you won't be back next week because it takes effort and energy to get the kids ready. You've worked hard all week long. You need a break. You need to relax. You need a recreation to recreate. And now it's more convenient than ever to stay at home because you can just turn on the television set and watch some preacher. You can even watch me preach on Sunday morning on WLCN TV. Why come? I get to say, it'll be a week later, but I'll get the. you can watch last week's message this morning. You can't see it now. It's going on right now, but, uh on WLCN TV, avoid commitments. And what happens is there's also a kind of mentality that I'll just kind of wake up, wait for the spirit to move. Oh, he's telling me to go to this church. Next week, I'll go to that church. Next week, I'll go to this church. And you jump around from church to church, uh, waiting to find that fresh anointing from God. The problem is you will never understand God's concept of the body, the body, how much we need each other. There is no substitute for faithful exposure and involvement with a local body of believers. And in the context of this body, we come together and we worship and we evangelize and and we grow and we minister to one another and we minister to the community around us. Uh, And that's what God has called the church to do. That's what our reason for being is all about. Now, the question is, why do I need church? Why do I need community? Why do I need a church family, a church body? Why is that important? I I'm want to give you five things today. Jot these down very quickly. Number one, you need a church family because you need others to walk with you. I need others to walk with me. Colossians 2 and verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him now right away that tells me something it tells me the christian life is a walk it is not a sit down it is not a lay down thing it's a walk it's always moving it's always in motion it's it's a journey from one point to a very specific destination. It is a walk. It is movement. Uh, And that's not the only place he talks about the Christian life as being a walk. He talks about walk in the light as he is in the light. It it talks about walk in love with one another. Uh, It talks about walking in obedience or or walking in the Holy Spirit of God. And so everything about this Christian life is a walk. It's a journey. God, but, but in this walk, God never intended you to walk through your life alone. Or, by yourself, now, when I talk about not walking through life alone, I am not talking about marriage, although God said in the beginning it's not good that man should be alone, because there are many adult singles in this church who are actively involved in community, and they are in relationships with one another in the family of God and so and the, and there are marriages uh, who, even though they may be married, are yet still walking alone in, in absolute loneliness. And so marriage is not the antidote. Uh, Community is the antidote. Uh, Community is the solution to what God has designed us to do uh, in the body of Christ, in the family of God. Now, now some of you are thinking right now, what's wrong with walking alone? I like to go out by myself. I like to have walks at the end of the day, at night, or whatever the case may be. I I like walking alone. Why do I have to walk with somebody else? Why do I need to walk in community? Three reasons. Three reasons. Number one, it's safer. It's safer. There is safety in numbers. And when you're walking along in this journey, in the spiritual walk with somebody else, there is safety. It is a lot less risky. We, we, we go on a lot of missions trips. Our next one will be the Dominican Republic in November. And we take a team of men. And sometimes we'll take ladies along when we do medical clinics as well. And we give some instructions at the beginning of the week. And one of the first lessons wherever we go in any part of the world is don't go wandering off by yourself. You want to go into town at night, go with a couple of guys. Two or three of you go together. Never go by yourself because I, all I need for somebody to do is go out wandering along by themselves, get robbed and mugged on a, on a trip in a country. We have no idea what the neighborhoods are like. Or get lost out there because they're all by themselves, can't find their way back. And so the number one rule of thumb is you go out and you walk in groups. And so it is in the family of God, when I am walking with somebody else, it's a lot safer. I've got somebody right there to help me along the way from the attack of the enemy that might come. It's also supportive. You know, when you got someone walking with you, it keeps you from giving up. You you don't, you don't want to quit. You don't want to stop or they're going to all think you're a sissy you got to keep on going. It's like that marathon race. If you run alone, it's easy to quit. You'll feel the pain in your legs. You'll feel it in your stomach. Your, 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 your head will say, stop, this is nuts. What are you out here doing all by yourself running this marathon? But if you run with friends, uh, you can make it because someone's alongside of you, uh, spurring you on. And so you spur one another on, and you can run that marathon race. If you stop, you look like a sissy or a wimp. There's a Zambian proverb, listen to this, when you run alone, you run fast, but when you run together, you run far. Isn't that good? When you run alone, you run fast, but when you run together, you run far. So it's supportive to have someone walking with you in the spiritual journey. Number three, it's smarter. You'll learn a whole lot more walking through life with others around you. It's a lot smarter. If you're walking alone, you may be going in the wrong direction. You may be lost. And if you're a man out there, you know, you don't stop and ask directions. You just kind of wander around and eventually you find where you're going to. If you walk with somebody, they can tell you when you're getting off the track, when you're going in the wrong direction in the wrong way. Listen to Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So walk together, walk with somebody. And so in the spiritual life, I need you to walk with me. Now, now let me tell you a little bit about this walk. When you are walking through life together in the community of God, in the community of faith, we will be walking at different paces. Not everybody's gonna be what, up to the same speed or walking at the, at the, if you've been around me, I walk fast. I don't know where I got that from. I always walk fast. I'm like in a hurry to get my, to my destination. And I'm out there walking and I wanna get to the next thing or get where I'm going to as fast as possible. It's like I'm on a mission. Jeannie is 5'3", uh, shorter than I am, has shorter legs, and so she's usually behind me. And I got to turn and say, Jeannie, pick up the pace. Can't you keep up? What's wrong with you? Because she's slower. And so I've got to learn to slow down so that she and I might walk through life together. Together. And if you have grandkids, and I've got a bunch of them, I got a couple of three-year-olds and a one-year-old. We go on walks at nights. At the end of the day, it's about five o'clock. It's time for our afternoon walk, and. You, you're not going to get anywhere. They're stopping and picking up rocks. They're picking up sticks. They're looking around. They're throwing them in the ditch. They're 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 falling and stumbling along the way, and and all that's going on. Uh, and so so what happens is when you begin to l- learn to walk to with one another spiritually in the body of Christ, we'll learn about a whole new concept called cooperation. We need each other. We need each other, and so we adjust our pace so we can. Stay together in this spiritual journey, not leaving anybody behind. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You're still turning. Listen to it again. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need to be encouraging and exhorting one another in this daily walk. Now, listen to me, and here's the rub. I want you to get this. It won't just happen on Sunday morning. You will come in this place, you'll celebrate, and you will leave. uh, But that's not community. That's just being a part of a mass crowd. Community can only happen in small groups, whether it be a group during the week whether it be one of your classes whether it be a ministry you're involved in whether it be some kind of specialty group uh, whatever kind of group might be going on around you uh, that is the place we will learn to walk together that's the place we connect that's the place we begin to relate to one another in the body of christ Uh, that's the place where we can care for one another we can do the one member suffers everybody suffers when one rejoices all rejoice i don't know who's suffering out here today But you'll begin to learn that and sense that in your small groups. Community is God's answer to loneliness. And we need a few people in our lives uh, who know all about us and we know all about them and we're there to help uh, and minister and love and courage and walk through life together. It's safe. It's supportive. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, you get, look at the New Testament church. Look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. It's a bunch of fellows on the same ship. And the breaking of bread and in prayers. Jump down to 46. He tells us how they did that. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple in the large group setting, and breaking a bread from, what's the next two words say? Three words. House to house. Try that one more time. That was a little weak. House to house. They assembled in the temple, and the early church that set the world on fire, that was a body that was needing one another, met from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They were being saved in their houses. They were being saved in the temple. House to house. That is a balanced body. That, my friends, is a balanced church. Breaking of bread and fellowship and closeness, that takes place in our home groups, which are needed for balance and for growth. Now, here's what's happening. Let me just let you in right now on point one. During 40 days of community, everybody in this church is going to be involved in a small group. And you're going to do that fellowship together. You're going to be doing that breaking bread together. You're going to be caring for one another. You will be learning to journey together. Some of you may not be in a group right now. I am asking you to try it for six weeks. Six weeks, commit to being a home group. I believe it's going to change your life. You'll watch a DVD, Better Together, and you will learn how the body functions and operates together. Everybody who, who goes gets a, 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 will get a book, and you'll receive that, and you will be doing devotionals together and studying together and reading together and growing together. And so that's a part of this walking together process. Number two, not only do I need you to walk with me, I need you to work with me. I need you to work with me. Listen to Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say good works. Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, Now look at what the word of God says. Something very interesting. We were created for good works. That means God uniquely designs you with special talents, special gifts, Special abilities. You were created and designed and made and fashioned by God so you could fulfill His purposes, so you could do His good works. And then it says the good works is reaching out in ministry and helping other people. We need others who will be working together and reaching out and touching this community, what happens if you try to do it all by yourself? You get slap wore out. You can't do it alone. It'll wear you out. And some people are walking around, they're tired all the time. Why? Because they're trying to do all the ministry or they're trying to do it all by themselves. And in either case, that will wear you out. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. There is something about two, three, four, ten coming together and getting involved in kingdom work because you have a greater reward, a greater harvest, a greater outreach, a greater impact because two are better than one. So we need each other in this church body to do the work of the ministry that God's called us to do. And when we take your unique gifts and my unique gifts and we begin to meld them together, we become that much more effective. The body of Christ. You always accomplish more by working together. The reason why there are so many that are exhausted is because there is no one helping them in their journey. So community then becomes God's answer to fatigue. And weariness. Listen to Galatians 6 and verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now let me tell you something else exciting that's gonna happen in the next six weeks in our groups. Every group is gonna be taking on a ministry project that that group will do together. I believe that's gonna be one of the most exciting points of 40 Days of Community. We are gonna be reaching out as groups like never before. There will be a group that will be going to Lieber Prison, and they're going to do a Thanksgiving meal, and they're going to feed over uh, close to a thousand inmates in prison. And they'll be putting the meal together and the food together and doing all that. There'll be several groups taking that on. There'll be some that'll be involved in the Convoy of Hope, which is happening next weekend. Others will go down at the homeless shelter and feed the homeless at the Palmetto House. Uh, there will be others who groups will be working at the family fun fairs. We bring in people from all around the community, and they hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, some will will take a uh, some group will say you know what we want to build a house and we're going to contact habitat of humanity we're going to put up some walls we're going to do the wire we'll do the electrical we're going to put a house up for our project really ambitious group there but they may do something like that others uh, will work at the eagle harbor boys ranch and they'll go in and refix the grounds up and work with those uh Orphans who are there at the Eagle Harbor Boys Ranch. Uh, Others will work at the Ronald McDonald House. Some will adopt a block and go down to the inner cities of Charleston and and, and, and evangelize and pass out groceries and food. Uh, There are all kinds of projects that this church is going to be doing. And we're going to be reaching out as a body. And we're going to do it as a group. Uh, And I will tell you, when this whole body is reaching out to this community, the community is going to know. There's a difference around because people loved them, they cared, they reached out, they thought about them. And isn't this what we're supposed to be doing? It's what, we're all, it's what God's called us to do, to feed the homeless, to care for the hurting, to reach out to those who are broken. That's what God has called this body to do. We will accomplish so much more by working together. going to be exciting. Number three, I need others to watch out for me. I need others to watch out for me. Listen to Philippians 2 and 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. How can you look out for the interest of others uh, if you are that lone ranger Christian that says, I don't need anybody else. It's just me and Jesus. How can you do God's word? I'm stuck here. Help me out. And and this is so counter cultural to everything we are taught. Everything tells us it's all about me. It's finding the little butterfly within. It's it's building up my own self-esteem, my own self-actualization, my needs, my interests, my hurts, etc. But the Bible says it's not that way. The Bible says look out for the interest of others. It's not just about you. Sorry. There are some neighborhoods that they've they've developed a a neighborhood watch. And and so the neighbors kind of watch out for each other and you feel a little safer when you drive in that neighborhood at night because someone's staying up all night at a parked car watching to make sure no burglars come in or whatever. I don't know if they do that or not, but kind of neighborhood watch thing going on. Or if you go on vacation, you tell your neighbors around you, you know what, I'm gonna be gone for a couple of weeks. Watch out for my house, watch out for my stuff. Keep an eye on it. Now we will tell others to watch out for our stuff that's okay but that stuff's going to last a few more years one of you told someone else watch out for my soul watch out for my soul we're worried about watching out for each other's stuff. I need you to watch out for my soul. The soul is a lot more important than all of our stuff. We need people who will defend us, who will protect us, who will help us stay on the right course. So, who will warn me? Uh, who will tell me danger, danger up ahead? You know, here's the here's the problem. We all have blind spots. There are things that we don't see clearly, and so I need someone who will see those faults and flaws in my life that I don't notice. I'm breezing through life and thinking everything's grand. It's like the car driving down the road. You'll have a taillight out, and you won't know it because you're up driving. You can't see your taillight, but someone comes along, honks the horn, says, hey, your taillight's out, buddy. Oh, thanks. That saved me from a wreck. Watching out for our blind spots. I uh, I had been to the church about a year. This is about 24 years ago. We were in our little church over on Royal Road. And uh, uh, it might have been Lee or Phil or somebody was leading praise and worship. We were just starting out. And I was on the platform. And we had a little platform. And, of course, at that time, the staff always hung around the platform. And, and, uh, and I'm just into the praise and worship. And I'm trying to be an example. And I got my hands up in the air. I'm just praising the Lord, kind of lost in the worship service minding my own business. And somebody walks up to the front and says, Larry, pastor, pastor, come here, come here, come here. Okay, sure. So I go walking over and he hands me a note. And I take a look, at the, and, I, and it's right in the middle of praise and worship. I'm thinking, boy, that's distracting. We had probably 100 people sitting out there that morning. And I look at the note, says, check your flag. And so, uh, I, I fold the note up, put it in my pocket. I look at the flags. See, you know, Christian Christian flags on one side, American flags on the other side. We had our flags up. We were. I thought it was right. I thought, well, maybe we got the flags on the wrong sides. I don't know. You know which side they go on. I mean, that sure is dumb to say in the middle of praise and worship. Check your flag. Get my hand up. Proceed to praise the Lord again. <laughs> I'm really praising the man. I'm just, just for all I'm worth. And then he comes back down and says, Pastor, get up. So I said, okay. So we go in this little side room. So I said, check your fly. My fly? I thought it said flag. And I looked down and my, my zipper is gaping open. Went through the whole service, praising God with my zipper down. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, I'm thankful someone was watching out for me. That really, really, really could have been bad. Uh, check, check your fly. I said, right next time, print a little more clearly, please. I thought, I, I'm checking flags all around here and praising the Lord with my zipper down. Didn't feel the breeze. I guess there was no air moving around that day. We need we need one another to watch out for each other and the family of God since nine eleven our whole country has become more vigilant. You can't go through an airport without going through several checkpoints and and they're checking everything and, and security has all been amped up and and you have these different colors for alerts when We're on high alert or low alert or whatever the case may be. But I will tell you, there is a greater enemy than terrorists out there, and that's Satan. And if you don't understand it, you need to get it down in your heart. He wants to wipe you out. He wants to defeat you. He wants to harm you. He wants to beat you up. He wants to mess up your life and destroy you big time. He's out to get you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to render you totally ineffective. He wants to get you angry, get you depressed, impatient, fearful, whatever the case may be, to render you ineffective. Uh, And not only is he after you, uh, the problem with the attack of the enemy is there's this thing called collateral damage. Uh, It's all those who are damaged who are all around you uh, by the fallout or the explosion. You see, Satan doesn't care who he hurts. So what he'll do is he'll hurt your family. Hurt your friends, hurt your kids, he'll come after your children. You see, Satan knows he can't hurt God, can't touch him. And he tried to hurt Jesus Christ, and he tried to destroy him, but you see, he had a problem, he couldn't keep him in the ground. So the Bible says now he goes off after all of God's children, all the saints of God and he will attack you and he will come after you and and he is merciless and I want to tell you that's why we need each other to watch out to look out for each other to help each other to make sure we make it in this walk this journey we are on uh, how does the enemy work in your life there are habits that sometimes you can't break uh, there are hurts that you can't forgive and let go of uh, there are hang-ups that you can't change along the way there are relationships that get messed up in this journey he He's trying to mess you up. Mess up all your relationships. And the reason we get defeated is we try to fight them alone. We're frustrated and we're hurting and we're getting whooped on every corner. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4 and verse number 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand them. Did you get that? Though one may be overpowered by another, Two can withstand him. And a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Listen, I want to ask you: who's watching your back right now? Who's watching you spiritually? Who's watching your soul? Who's helping you look for the traps along the life that the, the enemy tries to set out there to ensnare you? Listen, if nobody's looking out for you, uh, you are a big target and bullseye for the enemy. And let me ask you a second question. Who are you watching out for? Who are you looking out for? I uh, I like to go scuba diving. It's easy. It's relaxing. You get that neutral buoyancy. You just kind of float around the water. You see these... Beautiful fish in the Caribbean. It's just absolutely gorgeous, breathtaking. But there are certain risks in diving. And so one of the rules about diving is you never dive alone. You go with a buddy. It's called the buddy system, and it works for diving. And, and I will tell you, I've gotten in trouble more than one time for leaving my buddy. Big trouble. I, uh, on one occasion, I was in the Cooper River. And that's blackwater diving. You cannot see a thing. You go down, you can't see your hand in front of your face. And so you take lights down there and you go along the bottom. The current's pushing you down the river and you take a screwdriver and you put it down on the bottom to keep you from getting washed away by the current. You have a, a flashlight in the other hand and I don't know how you dig around for the, for the shark's teeth, but you're digging around for shark's teeth about 19, 20 feet deep in the Cooper River. And I remember one time my buddy, Steve Allen from Columbia, you guys know Steve, he's been here many times. Steve Allen and I were down, and you can lose a buddy in Blackwater real quick. It doesn't take long. And so we're down there. We got our lights together. We're kind of crawling along the bottom of the water together. And I felt something brush up against my leg. You don't know it. There's a lot of alligators in the Cooper River. And so I jumped over top of Steve to put him between me and whatever brushed up against me. That's what buddies are for. Get Steve first. He's got more meat on him. I don't know what it was, but anyway it scared me and I jumped and he was there, didn't realize what was going on. But that's what buddies are for. And that's why that's why we need each other. Community. God's answer to defeat. It'll keep you from being defeated. Look at Ecclesiastes four and ten. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. I want to show you just a quick clip of a testimony about a lady who had someone to help her up. Take a look at Rachel's story.
3: Rachel Williams, and this is my story. When I was 10 years old, my mom decided to leave my dad and not tell anyone. So she loaded us all up in a car and drove away, dumped the car, put us all on a bus, and we wound up here. Um, And that's how we got to South Carolina. We were here for a year and a half before anyone knew where we were and um, it was a very hard time for us. Um, We were lost. We felt like uh, we didn't have anything. We felt like everything that we had had in the past with our friends and our family and everything that we knew was gone and we just didn't know what to do. Um, I was married um, to an alcoholic and for a period of time it seemed okay in the beginning but of course it went south fast. Um, We had a small child And from that point, I knew that things needed to change. Life was really hard because I didn't know what each day was going to bring. It was difficult to be able to meet whatever the expectation was when I really didn't know what the expectation was going to be on a daily basis. And I did not have the Lord, and so I was just trying to wander through and figure out what I needed to do. Um, I had been through some, I was going through some tough stuff, and uh, me and my child had come back here to the area and we started coming to faith again and I got into a group, um, insights group, and it was a very big turning point for me. There was a lot of people in that group that were very supportive, very helpful. Um, They came next to me and they helped me out through all those tough times. They held my hand, they laughed with me, they cried with me, they prayed with me, they stood by my side and um, they really made a difference in my life. And some of those people that are were a part of that group are some of my closest friends today. And I would definitely say that it's been one of the best things that's ever happened to me.
2: That's awesome. Rachel is a vital part of this church, but her life was transformed. other to watch out for each other number four i need others to wait and weep with me i need others to wait and weep with me you see the problem in life is inevitably crises are going to occur they're going to happen in every life you're going to face your crises at some time or another now i i experienced in my own life firsthand the care of this body last june when my wife tanya was killed This church responded incredibly. You reached out, and I would have never made it without the help of my brothers and sisters and the family of God and the care that you guys gave. But I also have to not be so naive as to think that as the pastor, because I am highly visible, that care was there. But I wonder how many in our body go through crises unnoticed. Nobody should have to sit in a hospital room alone waiting during life and death surgery of a loved one. No woman should have to wait alone while she's waiting for a pregnancy test to come back. And is it positive? Is it negative? How is my life going to be changed? No military wife should have to wait alone when she's listening for a report from her son in Afghanistan or Iraq. No one should have to go to alone to identify the body of a loved one that's been killed in a car wreck. No one should have to spend the night alone when a husband or wife walks out on them. You see, we were not meant, we were not made up, we were not constructed by God to face crises alone. We need each other. Now now here's the reality. You never know when a crisis is going to hit. So it's not something you set yourself up for ahead of time. And so what I'm telling you to do, church, listen to me. Get in a support group now. Get in a group in relationships now with one another in the family of God. So when that crisis hits, they will be right there for you. They will be by your side. They will walk with you. I take you back to my text. Look at verse number 26 of 1 Corinthians 12. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. We divide the pain. We divide the hurt. We help each other through it. I want you to look also at verse 21. I want you to look very closely at the eye and the hand. But the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. I was taking about 50 teenagers on a trip. I was a youth pastor in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we had chartered a bus, and for a week I was gonna take them to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That was my only time ever coming to South Carolina before I began pastoring here. And so I took a busload of 40 rowdy teenagers, and uh, brought them down to South Carolina. And I was the bus driver, and it wasn't a charter bus. I take that back. We didn't have money chartered charter bus. It was a school bus. And You can imagine how long it took us and me driving, and uh, that was an experience. But anyway, the mirror, I couldn't see out my right mirror, and so I got out to adjust the mirror, and I began to turn the mirror, and the mirror shattered. When you were turning that mirror, it was on hinges and shattered, and a piece of glass went in my eye, and and and. It hurt, and I thought, oh, I'm blind. I'll never see again. And immediately my hand reached up and came to the rescue of my eye. Now the hand couldn't do a whole lot, but all of a sudden some men, some adults on the bus came over, and they held my eye open like this, and they reached their hand in, and they took that little splinter of glass out. Just, just, it wasn't lodged deep, and it wasn't in the retina or anything bad. Just right there, took that piece of glass out of my eye and so they came to the rescue now what's the word of god say the eye can't say to the hand i don't need you can you imagine how idiotic it would have been for my eye to say you know what i don't need anybody's help keep that glass right there i'll tough it out water's running out it's an ugly scene i'm screaming and all that's going on but no the eye says no no help for me i'm in this thing alone The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And had it not been for the hand, I would have still been in my pain. That glass would be in my eye to this day. Now, Now, here's a couple of thoughts, and I want you to get this down. This is not in your notes. Just write it on the side column. I want you to get this. You can't know if a member hurts unless you're close enough to that person. You 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 won't know it. You can't know if somebody's hurting unless you're close enough to know. So how can I fulfill if one member of the body suffers, we all suffer with it, if we don't get close? If we keep coming and going on Sunday morning and I'm doing my religious thing for the week, how can we know if we don't get close? And second, and I want you to get this, listen to it. Some people are hesitant to let others touch their eye because they've been hurt before because that eye's been hit before because they've been punched before because they've had a few black eyes before and when someone offers out a hand they're saying no don't don't touch me don't hurt me again don't hurt me again but the problem is, listen to me, you will always remain in your pain and your isolation. Had not Rachel reached out for help to a group around her, her support group, uh, she would have been hurting from the, the loss of the, 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 the pain her husband gave her, all the hurt she had gone through with an alcoholic husband abandoned by her parents. Uh, that hurt would still be there. But now there is healing that has come to Rachel's life uh, because she allowed others to touch her again. And at some point, you gotta say, you know what, I'm hurting. I'm messed up, but I'm going to become vulnerable all over again. I'm going to get close all over again. I need someone to help and care for me. And if you'll do that, there are healing hands all scattered throughout the body of Christ at faith assembly of God. We don't have to, you don't have to have a degree in counseling to help somebody else. Most of the time, people aren't even looking for advice. They just want someone to be there, someone to care, someone to listen, someone to weep with them when they're hurting. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing now. Community is God's answer to despair. We need each other. We need each other. It's it's that that's there for time of crises. It's to wait and weep. Scott and Yvonne have a story to tell about a marriage that was messed up, but they had a group that reached out and helped them in their time of crisis. Take a look at their story.
0: First, we didn't realize we had any issues, but it wasn't long before we got into class that we realized that we definitely did. Um, we came to understand that we did not come into agreement together the way God intended for couples to do it. Um, I also learned that my husband is not my enemy, even though sometimes he feels like he is. And one thing that even after we had gotten into the class and then we started teaching it, uh, one of Scott's sayings was, you don't know what you don't know. That's true. And I learned that going through this class, there was a whole lot of things that I didn't realize was wrong with our marriage that God enlightened us on and i'm thankful for this class because i feel like that has just it's really done miracles in our life
4: well when we when she first signed us up for this class i thought you know this was going to be marriage counseling and i thought my gosh you know we don't need any counseling you know we get along just fine we don't fight you know but as we got into this i saw that you know god's roles for me i didn't really understand i didn't fully walk in them and you know as i went along I, I saw that she, too, wasn't my enemy, you know. And where I thought that we weren't really fighting, it was just quiet warfare, you know. It, and God has brought us to such a wonderful place. I mean, when we went through this class, the, the, the difference from the beginning to the end was night and day. And it was such an awesome class that uh, I felt God's call to, to go into it further. So we became teachers, and we have taught four classes in there. And it is such an awesome program. Learn something new every single time. You know and for me, it really helped me to learn to listen to what she was saying instead of assuming what I think she needed or wanted. It really helped me to um, understand her better as a person, as a woman and to to really understand her place in our marriage. And you know she is, is, she is my check. you know God gives woman uh, uh, women a, a special sense. And she can tell me when she feels, she says, I don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong here. And I've learned through this class the way that they teach me, okay, when she says that in a certain way, I know there's something wrong. I might not see it, but I better check it out. And it it has really, I mean, the way that she surrounds me as a woman is supposed to surround a man is just awesome.
3: He's my best friend.
4: Yep. We're together whenever I'm off all the time.
2: All right. Wonderful. How many have gone through one of our Married for Life courses or two becomes one? Stand up. All those who have uh, gone through that, teachers, whatever, stand up all around the audience. Marriages, lives touched and changed. And if, and, and thank you. You may be seated. There, there's, uh, we have classes, support groups that are designed to help those who are especially hurting. Marriages will become strengthened and better. Those who are, have problems with abuse, addictions, we have cl- Insight for Living, and we have uh, uh, Celebrate Recovery, and those groups going on as well. And so whatever problem there might be, there are specialty groups designed to help you in your time of need. But that's what the body does. We weep and we cry with one another. Fifth and last, I need others to witness with me. I need others to witness with me. You see, God has a plan and a mission for your life. We are here with a purpose and a mission and a reason for being. And sometimes that witnessing can seem like a scary prospect. That's why I need one another, others to help me fulfill God's mission. Now, one of the ways we will be a witness is found in John 13, 35. Listen to it. By this. All will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Just the fact that we are operating together in community becomes a witness of our faith and love in the Lord Jesus Christ. By this, all men will know your lights by the love you have for one another in the body of Christ. And if you don't love one another in the body of Christ, then I want to ask you this question. Are you really a part of the family? Are you really even saved? Listen, if you're not loving one another, are we even saved? God's designed us to be a family, a body, and and Jesus says the proof of your relationship with me is by the love you have for one another. Listen, it's not our building. It is not the sign on the road. It's not our music. It's not even the sermons. Uh, The Bible says they'll know your believers by your love for one another. God's answer to fear is community. Listen, for the next six weeks, you're going to be in groups. You're going to be coming to church. We're going to be doing ministry together. Now, one of the first things I want you to do is invite someone to come to church. Next Sunday, get out there and invite somebody. You've got to come to church. You've got to see what God's doing. I care about you. I love you. I want you to come with me. I want you to get there. Whatever it takes, I want you to come and invite them to come with you. And invite them to come to your groups. Groups are not just going to be about us, but we're going to bring others into the groups and communities. Some of you are opening up your homes We've got over 100 homes that we're opening up right now. And we're, you'll get a few names of people from the church. But listen, if we just get it together ourselves, we've kind of defeated our purpose. I want you to go around your neighbors and all your friends and say, you know what? We're experiencing some community. We're going to have a Bible study together. We'll be watching a little video together. I've got a book we're going to give you. I want you to come to my group and meet some friends of mine. And all of a sudden, we're reaching out. And those groups that started with five or six or seven become eight and 12 and 15. And we're going to let them grow indefinitely until this week is over until these six weeks are over with at the end of 40 days think about it there will be someone who will be go to heaven because you had the courage to reach out and bring them and so everyone working together witnessing together doing it together will see the kingdom of god grow listen we all need each other I need believers to walk with me, to work with me, to watch with me, to weep with me, to witness with me. We need one another in the body of Christ. Now, I want you to do something. I want everyone in here to make a commitment. And on the way out the door, you can get get a connection brochure, pick it up on your way out. There'll be a list of all the groups in your area. But here's the commitment I want you to make. How many will commit themselves to, first of all, attend church for the next six weeks? I'll be here. Unless I'm sick, dying, unless I have to go out of town on an emergency, I will be here. I want you to commit to be a part of the messages, the ministry that goes out, casting the vision that happens on sunday morning and then i want you to attend a group how many will say pastor i'll go to a group i'll find a group in my area i'll get the book Uh, i'll get involved i'll begin to relate with one another in the community in the family of god and we're going to be asking you in that group to memorize a scripture verse one verse a week it's not too much you guys can do it even people as slow as i can you can memorize a verse if you're given a whole week listen you guys can do it you'll be asked to memorize a verse and in, in, in your group, that'll be a part of it. You'll be given a book entitled Better Together. And there are 40 lessons in there, 40 days in there, 40 devotionals in there, about three pages long as you, you'll read your Bible in the morning, then you'll open up your book and read Better Together, and then you'll pray. And so, so we're going to ask you to read that book, and everyone who comes to the group will get one of those books. And then we're going to ask you to do ministry together as a group. So when your group assembles this coming Wednesday night, the fir- one of the first things you'll be talking about is what ministry Are we going to get involved in? And it's going to add life. It's going to be exciting as that group goes out and begins to reach out and touch this community in some way. I believe if you guys will follow that commitment, it is going to be life-changing for you and life-changing for this entire church. Now, listen, we're going to celebrate this morning. i got some exciting things happening right now. We've got a group of people who are committing themselves to be a part of community at Faith Assembly of God. They are saying they are a part of this body, they are a part of this family, and they're identifying with the body of Christ right here. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and begin to softly play. And as I call their names, they're going to come across the front. Listen, they've already been coming here. They have asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into their heart and life. So they're your family. They're your brothers and sisters.
0: This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to
4: experience life. Thank you for listening this week.